Welcome back to the Ninja Nerd Warrior Podcast for Monday, June 15th. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? This is going to be the greatest wrestling review of the greatest wrestling match of all times. Are you guys sick of that shit yet? Oh my god, I've had to listen to that for, what, a month now? The greatest wrestling match ever. WWE really knows how to fucking hammer their branding home, don't they? Holy shit, I've watched porn that was more subtle than WWE's marketing. Dear God. Now let me go ahead and let you guys know what you're in store for. Uh, After three months in quarantine, today was my first day back at work. And it was brought sharply to my attention how much I fucking hate my day job. Yeah, that happened. So, and in the last three months, I don't think I've gone to bed before 3 a.m. Because there's no place else to go. Like... Fuck it. There's nothing to do. Well, I got called back into work at 7 a.m., so you can just imagine what a great mood I was in to start this bullshit. So if I'm a little off today, if I'm just a crusty little bastard, just just let me know. I, I appreciate it. All right. So before we cover the greatest wrestling match ever, got some stuff to cover um, starting off on a bit of a sad note. Longtime DC Comics and Batman writer Denny O'Neill passes away at the age of 82. And super bummed out. I've been reading comics since I was a kid, and I grew up on mostly DC stuff. And I've never really, for the longest time, I didn't really pay attention to who wrote what. I paid attention to you know what, that was a really damn good story. And, you know, when you read The Killing Joke and The Long Halloween, you read uh, Dark Knight Returns, you read, you know, some great stories. Maybe, I'm, I know I'm not, maybe this is just me. I just go, dude, that's a great story. That's an awesome story. And then later on, down the road, when I hear, oh, that was a Denny O'Neill story, or that was a Mark Miller story, or Frank Miller, I'm sorry, Frank Miller story, uh, and then you start putting the pieces together, and you're like, oh, wow, okay. So when I read that Denny O'Neill passed away, I got super bummed out. Like, I got really bummed out. And so I am just going to say this to Mr. O'Neill. Uh, rest in peace, and thank you so much for your contributions to my childhood. Thank you. All right, we're going to try and change gears here and uh, bring the vibe up a little bit. We got a trailer for the third Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Is the movie going to suck? Probably. But it's going to be fun as shit. It really is. Now, for those of you who have never seen Bill and Ted, and I'm shocked to find out there are some people who have never seen Bill and Ted, This, these guys were... Oh my God, this was one of Keanu Reeves' first roles, and it also co-stars Alex Winter from Lost Boys. And it starts out, they play uh, Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, who are 
when we meet them, there are these high school students, but we find out that they are destined to become this amazing rock and roll band. Their music aligns the planets and brings harmony to the universe. Well, the future society that their music creates has to send back Rufus, played by George Carlin, sends him back in time to save these guys because if they flunk high school history, they will never be a band and the future never comes to be. Yeah, it's it's kind of a stupid story. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but it was fun, damn it, and that's all that mattered. It was such 80s fun. So George Carlin comes back, gives them a time machine, and instead of going back in time and witnessing the events that they're supposed to do a report on, these guys kidnap histor- historical figures like Socrates and Billy the Kid and Napoleon, Genghis Khan. Now, folks, I flunked a lot of history courses in, in the course of my education. At no point have I ever studied all four of those fucking figures at one time. Never. It's never been done. But anyway, fuck it. So Bill, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was really fun. So, of course, they're going to do a sequel because Hollywood has to pillage the shit out of anything that's a marginal success. And they do Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey where they are killed by robot Bill and Ted's. And then they play Twister with Death. They beat Death, and Death has to bring them back to life. Not a lot of hope for this third movie. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, from a storyline point of view, like these first two movies were great when I was 13. Okay, When I was young and stupid, these movies were awesome. I'm not young anymore. Still pretty stupid at times. So we get this trailer, and it's 30 years later. They've acknowledged it's 30 years later. And for some reason, their music just hasn't aligned the the stars. It hasn't created this utopian society the way it was supposed to. And so now they actually have to go into the future and steal the song that they're supposed to write that makes them famous, steal it from themselves. Okay, we're looking at some Back to the Future, like, time travel theory here, so don't pay attention to the details. It's just going to make you angry. This movie has been seriously 30 years in the making. We have seriously been waiting 30 years for this. And so I don't have high hopes for it being great, On top of that, it's Keanu Reeves. Like, we've watched Keanu Reeves be Neo, and we've watched him be John Wick. We've watched him fucking kill people. And now we kind of have to kind of backpedal a little bit and take him back to being that just little stoner metalhead dude. So hopefully it'll be done, you know, very well. Again, I don't want the movie to be good. I just want it to be fun. So if you, um, I'm saying so a lot again, I'm on like four hours late folks. So if you get there, I just said it again. If you hear me say so a lot, that's just my brain buffering. So you're going to have to put up with that. Like I just did it again. Anyway, check it out. The trailer is on YouTube. It's really fun. It's only like three minutes because well, it's a fucking trailer, but go check it out. Bill and Ted face the music. It looks, it looks interesting. Not going to lie. 
All right, third and final story before we get to the greatest wrestling match ever. You feel that? That's called building suspense. Broadcasting 101, folks. I didn't take broadcasting, but I hear that's how it's done. Anyway, uh, Sony made an announcement that they are doing a Spider-Man Miles Morales video game for uh, the new PlayStation 5. Not a big Miles Morales fan. Sorry, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a Spider-Man snob. Now, I did say that I grew up on mostly DC stuff, but I did enjoy some Marvel when I was, you know, reading comics when I started as a kid, and Peter Parker's always been my Spider-Man. You know, if you like Miles Morales, more power to you. That's awesome. I'm not saying he's a bad Spider-Man. He's just not my Spider-Man. But I thought it was kind of awesome. I saw the uh, the trailers for the video game, and the game looks fucking fantastic. Like, if I owned a PlayStation, I would definitely buy this game. Sorry, folks. I'm an Xbox guy. You know? Again, no, no hate for anybody who plays PlayStation. Awesome. Go for it. But if I owned a PlayStation... I would pick up this game. This game looks badass. So, yeah, they're coming out with the Spider-Man Miles Morales game for the PS5. So check that one out. It is now time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I give you the greatest wrestling match ever. Sort of. Anyway. That's it. That's the branding that they fucking hammered to this pay-per-view. Did it live up to the hype? Not looking good. But we start this show with a triple threat match for the women's tag team title. We have Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics versus Sasha and Bayley. If you guys missed this match, you missed nothing. Seriously. I mean, this was just... WWE does this kind of paint-by-numbers thing uh, in a lot of cases. Very few times will you see them kind of go outside the box. And their triple threat matches aren't, aren't one of them. That, no, they do not think outside the box on a lot of stuff. Here is every triple threat. Here's every WWE triple threat match you'll ever see. Three people start the match. One person gets tossed outside. You'll see two people start to work. Work, 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 work. And then here comes that third person. Somebody else gets tossed out of the ring. Lather, rinse, repeat. So this match was no exception. And oh, and here's the finish to every WWE triple threat ever. One person hits a finish. The person who's outside the ring comes in, steals the pin. Every triple threat ever. Okay, that, that's exactly how this is going to work. And that's pretty much what this one was. This one had the worst dive spot I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't even... You had... Was it Peyton Royce and Bailey on the apron? You have Sasha and you have... You had Sasha, you had Nikki uh, Cross, and you had... Was it... Oh, God, who was the other one? Anyway... Again, it's been like it's been 24 hours, folks, and I'm on like four hours sleep. Alexa Bliss goes for a suicide dive, hits Peyton and hits uh, Bailey on the apron. They all just kind of train wreck fall onto everyone outside. That was the dumbest dive spot I've ever seen. 
And much like I said, here's your finish. Alexa goes for her twisted bliss off the top rope, lands on Peyton Royce. Sasha comes in, steals the pin from Alexa Bliss. Sasha and Bailey uh, retain the titles. Like I said, every triple threat finish ever. We then get a commercial for Extreme Rules, July 19th, which means we're going to have a chair match and a tables match and a ladder match because, again, they don't think outside the box. They never have. We follow that up with probably the worst. Oh, my God. This was the worst story going into a match. The match itself was pretty good. We had Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. And I'm going to say it right off the bat. Fuck this fucking angle. Fuck this angle. Okay. We all know Jeff Hardy is an alcoholic. He's been arrested for DUIs in 2019. Excuse me. 2009. 2011. 2012. 2015. Like, they actually had a running list of his DUIs. All right. And here's the thing with this. With these angles all right it didn't i just transferred from i just uh, transitioned from so to all right anyway this is me thinking out loud folks here's what i hate about this angle it didn't work when you did it with road warrior animal excuse me road warrior hawk my fault it didn't work with road warrior hawk did it it didn't work in wcw when you did it with scott hall it didn't work in the late 90s when Jake the Snake came back. But they just keep going back and just hammering. Hey, remember when you fucked up and relapsed on drugs or alcohol? Kind of a fucked up thing to do. But that was the that was the backstory leading into this match. And like I said, the match itself was really good. I mean, these guys, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, they're damn good workers. And these guys just went in. It was a fight. This, oh, oh, I, I cannot, I cannot get in this match before I start with the drug test angle. Folks, I think I've told you, I don't watch a whole lot of WWE television since the crowds have been gone. It's just the energy's not there. And I swear since the energy has been gone, the storylines have been borderline retarded. So, this storyline starts with Sheamus jumps Jeff Hardy when he got to the building. He jumps him, he pours bourbon all over him, and puts him in the bushes. He steals Jeff Hardy's rental car. He tries to kill Elias. And then he leaves the bottle of bourbon in the car to frame Jeff Hardy. Now, if this was an episode of Law & Order. This is attempted murder. But since it's WWE, it's a reason for them to wrestle. Fuck. Okay. So we're doing this shit. It leads the contract signings, which, let's face it, contract signings always suck. They always do. They have sucked for the last 10 years, 15 years. But Seamus says, I'm not going to sign this contract until you take a piss test. What? And they have like a little privacy booth. 
so Jeff can take a take a piss in the ring. And Jeff comes out with, I swear to God, what had to have been a pitcher of urine. This was an entire carafe of fucking piss. And you see where this is going. Like, let's let's not be again. WWE about as subtle as a punch in the face. It really is. You see where this is going. So I'm just sitting there thinking, just grab the fucking thing and throw the piss in his face. Because you know you're going to. You did the same thing with Shawn Michaels way back when. Like, don't act like this is new. And Jeff grabs the carafe of urine. And he says, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. All right, I'm going to hold on for a second because that just gave me a headache. Folks, this is what happens when your show is written for a 75-year-old man's sense of humor. It is. It is. We all have that older, you know, that older relative who just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And he's like, he's telling just really inappropriate jokes that would get any of us arrested. But he's old, so they let it go. That guy's in charge of a billion-dollar wrestling company. And they're writing jokes for this asshole. So that's the backstory going into this fucking match. Again, really good match. Psychology kind of pissed me off. Because the beginning... I mean, these guys started hot. These guys just beating the piss out of each other. And Jeff starts working over Sheamus's leg. And even on commentary, they acknowledged it. They said, this is a really good idea, but he can't, he can't throw that brogue kick if he can't plant off that leg. Which is not true, because if you've ever seen, Sheamus plants off the right, bicycles, and hits him with the right foot. But, points to Michael Cole for trying. So he's working over Jeff's knee. Excuse me, Jeff is working over Sheamus's knee. And he's just, he's on this knee, he's working on him. And all of a sudden, Sheamus... Goes for a suplex on a bad knee. Slams Jeff knee first onto the post. So now Jeff Hardy has a knee injury. You know what happened then? Nothing. Nothing fucking happened. Both guys' knees were fine. Neither person sold a knee injury after that. Knee injury didn't play into the finish of the match. Nothing happened. Oh my god, this is fucking stupid. Jeff Hardy's Hot Topic shirt took more damage than his knee did. Because Shane was just ripping the shit out of that Hot Topic shirt. I was like, fuck. So anyway, finish the match. Jeff goes for that. You know where he runs along the guardrail? Which is increasingly hard to do when there's hockey glass up against the guardrails. But he pulls it off. He runs along the rail. He jumps... Seamus hits him with a bro kick just right in the fucking mouth. I laughed. Seamus throws him in the ring. Another bro kick. Seamus gets the win. And the heel who assaulted Jeff Hardy, framed him for attempted murder, got the clean pin. That's WWE for you, folks. Because you gotta get heat! Now, as if this show hasn't pissed me off enough, the next match is for the WWE Raw Women's title. 
Oscar versus Nia Jax. Fuck. This match was the drizzling shits. It really w- it was a match with Oscar. Oscar, hands down, one of the top 5 workers in the entire company and this match still sucked. Here are the positives. The positive, this is again, this is a dirt simple match to do. You have Nia, the heel, three times as big as Asuka, the babyface. Fucking dirt simple. Okay? This is a David and Goliath story, and that's how they worked it. Asuka is fighting from underneath, while Nia is just, she's Godzilla. She's taking her time. She's getting heat. She is doing mainly everything she's supposed to. This, this is dirt simple, okay? And up until, I mean, the whole match, probably I'm halfway through the match, and I'm thinking, they haven't fucked anything up yet. And this is Nia Jax we're talking about, so I'm kind of shocked here. But they haven't fucked anything up. And then I have, and I have a realization, oh, shit. Charlotte's coming out. Son of a bitch. And then I'm angry. And then I'm just fucking angry. Because you know Charlotte Flair is going to somehow get onto this fucking pay-per-view. Asuka ends up sitting on the top rope. Nia comes in. Asuka goes for an armbar. That draping armbar that uh, Ronda Rousey used to do. But somebody fucked up. I don't know if it was Asuka. I don't know if it was Nia because Asuka just falls out of the fucking ring, just lands on her head on the apron, ends up outside. Nia comes out after her. Asuka does a fucking sweet, just running, jumping, float over uh, armbar. It's beautiful armbar outside the ring. And the referee's counting. And he's up to seven. And I'm just going, no fucking way referee hits eight he hits nine he hits ten as Asuka slides under the bottom rope it is a double count out and I'm angry I am fucking angry you could have slapped my mom and I probably would not have been as angry as I was when I realized we're gonna get more of this shit folks we have to watch Asuka and Nia Jax wrestle again. Son of a bitch. Fuck this match. So right after this match ends, we get Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morrison in a handicap match. And it's at this point, I'm convinced, they are intentionally lowering the bar. Just lowering our expectations so Edge and Orton don't have to work that hard. I'm convinced of this. I'm also reminded. Hey, remember the last time Braun held a championship? Guys, remember what happened? He got suckered into a three-on-one handicap match, and he got beat for said championship. He's wrestling Miz and Morrison, and I'm thinking, fuck, which one are they putting the title on? And then I have this nightmare. I have this brief, this brief horrifying vision. Miz and Morrison are going to beat him for the universal title. And then Otis is going to cash in. 
and Otis walks out of here as the Universal Champion. Thankfully, it didn't happen. I've never been so happy to be, be wrong. But remember I told you WB has their, they have their paint by numbers. They have their signatures. They have their, their things they always go back to. And Vince is, Vince is the worst one. Every time things get bad, Vince goes back to a big guy. We need a big guy. We need somebody that stands out at an airport. You just look at him and you marvel at how big he is. I want you guys to take a minute. And I want you to remember some of the great big men of the past. Remember Big Cass? Remember how iconic the great Kali was? Let's go back a little further. Remember a guy named Matt Morgan? Oh, hold on, hold on. Nathan Jones. You guys, you guys remember all these fucking big guys that were just huge box office draws? <gasps> Let's not forget Test. God rest him. Yeah, every time Vince gets in trouble, he goes back to a big man. Hasn't worked in 20 fucking years. Now you can make arguments for the big show. I wouldn't hold that against you. But think about it. Who was the last great big man WWE produced? Kane. The last great big man. Now, I'm not going to give it to Big Show because they did not produce him. WCW did. So as great a big man as Big Show is, not a WWE product. Anyway, this shit's getting away from me. Anyway, Michael Cole starts the match by saying, can Braun defend the title from these pranksters? Fucking pranksters? Seriously? Not these athletes? Not these competitors? Not these former fucking champions? Can Braun defend the title from these pranksters? And then we get this long video montage of Miz and Morrison pranking Braun Strowman. They fucked with his protein shake, so it blew up in his face. They dropped slime on him and anonymous backstage interviewer A, like it's Nickelodeon, we're at the fucking Kids' Choice Awards. They smashed the window of what I swear to God was a, was a, a Chevy Malibu, but they said it was a Pontiac Grand National. Alright, I know a fucking Malibu when I see one. Again, this is the lead-up to, to this title match. What happened to Bray Wyatt? I'm just, I'm just asking. What happened to Bray Wyatt? Anyway. You guys want a great drinking game? Here's, here's a great drinking game. Before a Braun Strowman match, take a shot. Decide that you're going to take a shot every time he goes all runaway retard and just runs into some shit. That's what Braun Strowman does. That in every match, he starts running and just runs face first into some shit. Which was Goldberg's gimmick for the longest time. But that's, that's, Braun Strowman does this in every fucking match. He just head of steam and just runs face first into some shit. 
Decent match. Uh, Miz and Morrison are, they're flying around. They are doing what little guys should do. They're flying around. They're being really, honestly, they're being really great baby faces. <laughs> they're using their speed. They're hitting and running. They're, they're making the big guy come to them. It's great ring psychology for baby faces. And it's about the 11-minute mark, and Braun just runs shoulder first into the ring post. I went, oh, shit. We made it all the way to 11 minutes before he went runaway retard and just ran into some stupid shit. And finishes this match. Uh, Miz Morrison goes for the pin, and Miz pulls him off because it was told to us 20 minutes before the match. These guys went in with the game plan. They were going to be co-universal champions. You know, like Jericho and China did with the Intercontinental Championship back in like 97, 98? Yeah, that shit. Remember Lay Cool? When Lay Cool split the women's title? Like cut the belt right in half? Same shit, different day. So we're told 20 minutes for the match that no, only one of them can be universal champion. So Miz has got, or Morrison, sorry, Morrison's got him beat. Miz pulls him off. And Morrison just looks at him like, bro, what the fuck? And Miz just goes, <gasps> and Miz realize, realizes I've got a reality show, a hot wife, and this stupid fucking game show coming up. Here, you can be the champion. And throws Morrison on top. Braun kicks out. Miz gets tossed over the rope. Morrison gets power slammed. And Braun Strowman goes over clean. This was a waste of fucking time. All right, folks, we immediately follow that match with what I thought, honestly, was going to be the best match on the show. For those of you who, if you guys watch, or watch, I'm sorry, if you guys listen to Busted Open Radio on Sirius Satellite Radio with, uh, um, I'm totally blanking on the host name, but they have co-hosts like Mark Henry, Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, Dave LaGreca. I'm sorry. Dave LaGreca is the guy's name, and it's a great show, it's a really great show. I listened to it right before, I want to say Thursday or Friday. It's like Thursday or Friday I listened to it. And Bully Ray's on there, and he's talking about this match. Bully Ray got me so hyped up that I actually thought Bobby Lashley was going to take the, the World Heavyweight title. And here's what Bully Ray said. In the social, social political climate we have going on right now, with all of the, you know, all of the protests and everything that's going on and, and the Black Lives Matter and everything. What better time to put your heavyweight title on just an African-American alpha male like Bobby Lashley? Think about this for a second. How many people, besides Brock Lesnar... Take Brock Lesnar out of the equation. How many full-time members of the WWE roster are more legit than Bobby Lashley? National, like national amateur wrestling champion, won national titles. He was, dude, dude uh, was in the army. He served in the army. He won championships while competing in the army. He is a former. MMA fighter. He might be a current MMA fighter. I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know what his status is, but the guy has fought for Bellator. Like, you could not get more legit in your full-time members of your roster than Bobby Lashley. 
And here was the when Bubba when Bully Ray starts talking about that, I got hype. I got so hyped up, and I'm thinking they're gonna put this fucking title on him. Here's how I pictured this, folks. Here's how I picture this. Bobby goes in. These two guys beat the shit out of each other. Bobby beats him clean. Beats Drew McIntyre. Now, I know way too soon to take the title off Drew McIntyre. But there's nothing saying he couldn't regain the title back at SummerSlam. So, Drew McIntyre drops the title to Bobby Lashley. During the post-match celebration, Lashley spears MVP. There's his babyface turn. And now you have this champion who's on his own. Did anybody see when Bobby Lashley was champion uh, in, back in Impact? How fucking great he was back then? Dude, he was seriously... Oh my god, he was, he was a total heel champion. But he was amazing. And there were videos of him. I thought these were great. He's in the gym. And he's on the treadmill with the championship belt covering the front of the treadmill. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. He's doing pull-ups with the championship belt hung up. I mean, they did such a great job with him as champion. And I just thought, because Bubba Ray got me hyped all the shit, that, dude, WWE has seriously missed the boat on this guy. And I convinced myself that Bobby Lashley was winning the title at Backlash. Shit didn't happen that way. So, <laughs> here's what did happen. These guys come out, and this has a big, like, this has a big fight feel. This really had, like, a big match feel. And Lashley jumps him before the bell. Jumps Drew McIntyre, puts him in the full Nelson, and he's just ragdolling this guy around. Which is saying something, because what, what does McIntyre go? Like, 275, 280? Legit, like, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, He's just ragdolling this poor dude around. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, here's their out. This is how they're going to do it. Drew's going to drop the title. And then you can come on Raw tomorrow and say, Drew was 100%. That's why Lashley beat him. These guys beat the shit out of each other. These guys, oh my God. And this was just, this was a big man battle. <laughs> this was just two big men, just two meatheads, just this was a bar fight, is what this was. And it didn't get scary <laughs> until they got outside. Lashley goes to pick Drew up in a fireman's carry. And Lashley is just a strong fucking dude. Really strong dude. And I don't think... And Lashley's a strong dude. Drew's a hell of a worker. I don't think Lashley was prepared for Drew to actually go up on this fireman's carry and drew went up like a feather. He went up great to the point where Lashley actually loses control of him. He's trying and he just drops a poor guy on his head outside the ring. Oh, that's gotta suck. Goes for it again. It almost happens again. And Lash is like, fuck this guy. And <laughs> just throws him into the ring post. But yeah, these guys, I mean, these guys was beat the shit out of each other. It was a fantastic match. And then there's this series. There was this amazing series where McIntyre comes off the top rope and Lashley counters, catches him, 
and takes him down into a, a cross face. McIntyre's fighting out. He's fighting out like he's teasing. He's going to tap. He counter. He actually counters, but he powers him up into a side slam and just hurks this guy up into a tombstone. And I'm thinking, there's no way you're going to let McIntyre hit a tombstone. I called it because Lashley counters into an ankle lock. McIntyre's teasing like he's going to tap out. He gets the ropes. Lashley goes for a, a spear and McIntyre counters into a Kimura. Like it was just move, counter, move, counter, move, counter. Like it was great. And Lashley's going for the, uh, Lashley's going for the spear. Excuse me. McIntyre's going for the Claymore. Lashley countered with the spear. Matt, I'm thinking this is it. This is your finish. And then Lana's music hits. And I'm just thinking, son of a bitch. Because up to this point, you've had this fantastic match. MVP has not come into come into this match at all. Like, there's no outside interference. And I actually thought they were going to put him over clean. They're going to put Lashley over clean. And then here comes Lana. Folks, this match had to have gone like 20 minutes. And when you when you watch a match go that long and you get as invested as I did, obviously, you don't want to see a fuck finish. And as soon as I heard Lana's fucking music, I knew that's what they're going to do. They're going to do a fuck finish. Lana comes out and starts screaming at the ref, you're cheating. You're cheating. Guys, I know you guys, I know you guys feel the need to write shit for everybody to say. You're telling me the best that creative could come up with was Lana coming down the ring and saying, you're cheating to the referee? Lashley gets distracted. He catches a Claymore. Drew goes over. One, two, three. Retains the title. Great match. The finish was the drizzling shits. We then follow what was otherwise a fantastic match with utter dog shit. Folks, we have what was supposed to be a match for the Raw Tag Team Championships held by the Street Profits. Now, I told you guys I don't watch a whole lot of Raw and SmackDown. And in most cases, what I mean by that is I watch both shows and I just fast forward through the bullshit. Especially with Raw. I'm not going to sit there and watch three hours. Uh, I'm not going to watch a three hour show with 45 minutes of good shit and two hours and 15 minutes of utter just dog shit. Not going to happen. I have fast forwarded through all of these Street Profits, Viking Raiders vignettes. The, the axe throwing and the basketball and the, it, it's dumb. It's fucking dumb. I, it's cheesy, and I don't want to watch it. Okay, if you enjoy it, awesome. More power to you. No, I, I got, I got other shit to do. And this is all leading up. Like these guys went. These guys tied, three to three. Why they only pick six events, I have no idea. But they're tied three to three. Now, one would assume that the tiebreaker would be the wrestling match. Stop me if I'm if I'm if I'm too far out in left field. 
but one would think that the point of this shit is the wrestling match. So they announced we have the tag team match coming up next. I know this is going to suck because Vince hates tag teams. We cut to these guys are in the 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 hallway. These guys are in this little hall, this corridor, and the two teams are already fighting. Oh, okay, cool. We're going to you know, we might start this hot, start this before they get to the ring. That's kind of awesome. This turns into this cinematic bullshit. It's going to be the theme of the show, guys. WWE has their paint-by-numbers shit. Okay? They have their, their signatures. They have their routines. They have just this their method of doing things that they just hammer into the ground. What makes it worse is every once in a while, once every 10 years, they come up with something new and it's great at the time. And then WWE has to hammer the shit out of that until you're sick of it. Okay. Case in point, Undertaker, AJ Styles, Boneyard match. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. That was the best part of WrestleMania this year. That Boneyard match was fucking great. And then the next night, we see him do the same thing with Cena and Bray Wyatt. And it went from great to what the fuck was that? They had to do it again tonight with the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. But this time, they had to make it funny. They got to do comedy. Because if I, because I know... When I think comedy, I think the sense of humor of a 75-year-old man. That's, that's what I think. What the fuck was... There was bowling balls. And Ivar rolls a bowling ball right into... Um, I don't even can't remember who it was. Into his nuts. And just so WB make sure you know it's funny... We have to leave the camera on his face for like two and a half minutes because he's making a funny face. <sighs> Ford. What's his name? Ford. Anyway, I can't read my notes, folks. I'm going on four hours sleep and I'm all energy drinked out of my head right now. So this is stupid. This is really stupid. And just when I thought this match could not get any dumber, WWE says, hold my beer. Because we got ninjas. We got fucking ninjas. We got an army of ninjas led by Akira Tozawa. Slightly racist, I think. Just a bit. Let's assume for a second it's not racist. And let's just ask, why the fuck? fuck are there ninjas? Can somebody explain this to me? Why? And why did they have a seven foot tall Shaquille O'Neal ninja? What, what the fuck? And the Viking uh, Raiders and the Street Prophets decide we're going to join forces and we're going to be the Viking Prophets. Or the Street Raiders. I don't remember. 
And yet again, I say this could not get dumber. And WB, like a bad infomercial, says, but wait, there's more. Ivar holds out his hand, and there's a turkey leg in the bushes. And the turkey leg comes flying into his hand like he is Thor, and the turkey leg is fucking Mjolnir. I vomited my mouth a little bit. I really did. I'm just like, oh my, oh shit, I can't, no, I can't do this. And these guys proceed to fight the ninjas until Shack Ninja shows up. They don't run away. They climb on top of a tractor trailer and dive into a, dive into a dumpster. Folks, this is, this is like 20 minutes in at this point. We've been watching this shit for 20 minutes. All four members of the Viking prophets are in this dumpster and a referee comes out and she says, Hey guys, what are you doing out here? Your match is next. And I pitched my remote across the room and I just yelled, Son of a bitch! Because I'm thinking there's going to be more. There's, they're actually going to have the match next. That's going to happen. Thankfully, I was wrong. There was some kind of crocodile fucking tail, tail in the dumpster. And thankfully, this shit was over. This was just a piece of shit, folks. This absolutely was just a piece of shit. But thank God, because it definitely lowered the bar for the greatest wrestling match ever. So, to start out the greatest wrestling match ever, I got ribbed by my Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi took a shit. And I had to watch the video package this match three times. And every time the video package ended, my Wi-Fi conked out. Reset the router. Video starts again at the beginning of the video package. Went through this shit three times. So my wife, I knew it wasn't going to be the greatest match ever and just decided to rib the shit out of me. I will say that lowering the old school Madison Square Garden microphone and playing the Howard Finkel uh, ring announcements for these guys, that one got me in the feels. That one got me right in the feels. I was just like, oh, poor Howard. But honestly, it helped. Because you think about some of the greatest wrestling matches, who was your ring announcer? Howard Finkel. So I thought it was cool. And then they had this overhead camera shot, which I thought was, a lot of people complained about it. I thought it was awesome. Because if you remember, you watched those old like Don King production boxing matches, uh, especially the Tyson ones, they always had that overhead camera shot. And that I thought that was kind of, that was cool. It led, it gave you something different. So I hope they keep that. And then for some reason, they go to lock up and there's a camera underneath for like a second. And I'm thinking, you know what? I just gave you guys a benefit of the doubt and you fucked it up. You did something cool and then you did something stupid. 
the ring announcer said greatest wrestling match ever like eight more times, and if they said it again, I was going to fucking vomit. But I'm, I'm going to say this. These guys worked their ass off. And I'm not going to lie, this was a damn good match. Wasn't the greatest ever. Because greatest wrestling match ever, you're talking, you've got to beat out Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. You've got to beat out Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. You've got to beat out Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. Those are some big fucking shoes. And they didn't do it. Arguably, this was the greatest match either of these two guys ever had. Especially Randy. Randy's got two speeds. Slow and stop. Worked his ass off. What was great was these guys... This was a clinic. Anybody who wants to be a wrestler, watch this match. Because it started out super basic. Okay? The story they told. These guys went hold, counter, hold, counter. These were awesome. And the best thing was the story they told coming into this was that edge has been out of the ring for nine years and Orton says you can't beat me in a straight up wrestling match and so the way they worked this match at the beginning they actually told the story that edge was a step slower than Orton and I thought that was genius it was simple but it was brilliant but as the match goes on edge starts taking over and like I said, these guys, everything was just a, it was a clinic in basics. Everything you need to learn. And then I started noticing that, okay, so how often have you ever seen Edge chop anybody? Edge threw more chops in this match than I think he did the last five years of his career. And then... Uh, was it Michael Cole? I don't think it was Michael Cole. Uh, but uh, no, Corey Graves. It might have been Corey Graves who said those flare steamboat chops. And I went, oh, son of a bitch. Because I realized what they were going to do. These guys were going to steal spots or at least be compared to some of the greatest wrestling matches ever. And they did. And they did because Randy goes for Eddie Guerrero's three amigos, that triple suplex gets cut off on the second one and edge reverses it, hits his own three amigos. You know what I learned? Eddie made that shit look easy because neither one of these fucking guys could hit three amigos. You hit the suplex, roll your hips and roll the guy back up. I didn't realize how easy Eddie made this shit look until I saw Orton and Edge fuck this shit up. Orton hits an Olympic slam. Orton has never hit an Olympic slam in his life. Pulls out an Olympic slam in this match. Orton hooks him up for a pedigree. And I'm just like, oh my god. Hits a pedigree, covers him, Edge kicks out on two, and Orton looks at him like, Orton looks at the referee like, what the fuck? Nobody kicks out of the pedigree. What the fuck? And I laughed. I laughed hysterically. Uh, Edge hit a rock bottom. I thought that was I thought that was awesome. And then Edge goes for 
a sharpshooter because every Canadian knows the sharpshooter. That's just, yeah, it's, it's a national, it's a national one. At this point, I'm thinking, well, this might not be the greatest wrestling match ever, but it's definitely the longest. These fucking guys went eight minutes longer than they did at WrestleMania. But here's, and then, but it's not, it's, the Mania match seemed to drag a little bit. This one didn't seem to drag. But you could tell they gave these guys some time. And then Orton sets up for the punt, and I'm going, you haven't seen the punt in, like, easily ten years. I might be exaggerating just a little bit by two or three years. But seriously, you haven't seen the punt in, like, seven to ten years. And I used to love it when he did that. He stiffed the shit out of a lot of guys. Remember when he caved in John Cena's dad's face? That's <laughs> probably why they stopped letting Norton do the punt. But he's getting ready to hit that punt. And as he's going for it, Edge hits the spear. And just for good measure, Ed get, Edge gets up, hits another spear, covers him, one, two, Orton kicks out. Edge's facials were fantastic because he's just like, what the fuck do I hit him with now? What the fuck? And he cinches in that head and arm choke, that standing head and arm choke, which, folks, I'm I'm not a white belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm actually below white belt level. But even I know, take that fucker down. Got a head and arm choke, take that bitch to the ground. But Edge goes for the standing head and arm choke. And here's where, this is where the genius comes in. Brian Alvarez, uh, he predicted this weeks ago. And I'm a big Brian Alvarez mark, I'm not going to lie. Alvarez predicts somehow Randy cheats, and that's how he wins the match. And then you have this angle where, well, it would have been the greatest wrestling match, but Randy Orton, that piece of shit, cheated. Edge goes for that head and arm choke which he's nicknamed the Anti-Venom. Orton knees him in the balls. Edge goes down like a big sack of shit. Orton hits that punt, covers him, one, two, three. And Orton wins the greatest wrestling match ever. I will definitely say this was the greatest wrestling match that evening. There was a New Japan show, so... Might not have been, depending on what time zone you're in. It might have been the greatest wrestling match. It might not have been. But these guys did work their ass off. I thought this was great. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not going to say it was the greatest wrestling match ever, but it was definitely the best match either one of them ever had. And that's saying a lot when you think about their respective careers. So anyway, folks, that is uh, WWE Backlash. We're right about the 55-minute mark. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do my, uh, my advertisements right here. I'll come back for the plugs. Thank you guys for hanging out with me again, and uh, I will talk to you next time. All right, guys. Thanks for letting me pay some bills there. And I am the Ninja Nerd Warrior, and you can find me on all forms of social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And feel free to go on any of those and drop me a line. Send me a message. Let me know if you like the show. Um, if you don't like the show, don't, don't hit me up and, uh, <laughs> you can also 
Find this podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast from on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And with that, I will say good night and uh, I will talk to you guys later. Bye bye.